We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Danny and Dusty. It's not your problem, Doc. You don't have to mix up in this. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the Fan Man Hera. Go ahead. Go ahead, skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080. I'm your Huckleberry. The Fan. Hour number three, Danny and Dusty with you know Danny Meringue. Uh, He is getting MRI on his bad hip. Uh, but I am here, and we've got one more hour. We're going to need to hit AFC Championship game this hour as well. Uh, I've got a new hero in the world of officiating, unrelated to football, because that was bad officiating that we had conference championship weekend. Uh, but right now, we bring in on, bring in the director of national recruiting for SB Live, the host of the recruiting show with Andrew Nemec, which you can hear. Right here on 1080 The Fan, Andrew Nemec joins us. Uh, first, I, I think I want to get your just how are you doing after the Niners game? Are you okay? Oh, dude. I are thought you were going to ask me about, about some other stuff. Um, no. Yeah, yeah, I'm, o- I'm okay. It's been, a weird, it's been a weird week, man. It's been a very <laughs> weird week. Um, yeah, I, I ended up just going to the gym during the Niner game, and it wasn't that I didn't care. I really cared. The game was still on, but I just needed to lift to like function, functionally get through that. Once Josh, you know, Josh Johnson came in, I knew the writing was on the wall. It was all check down stuff, so I started getting ready. And then he fumbled right before halftime, and I'm just like, I gotta go. And my <laughs> wife's like, Just go, just go lift. You're fine. It's all right. Just be out of here. Get out of here. All right. I mean, that does soften the blow. I mean, that one softens the blow because. Well, well, I disagree it's a fourth street quarterback. I, I disagree completely. I think it makes it worse. I I think like you look back and and you know it's like for Oregon sports. What's worse, Sabrina Unescu's senior year where COVID cancels it, and you forever say what might have been, yeah, or Jordan Bell not blocking out on a free throw and you lose. You'd rather have the shot to win it or lose it on the field, on the court, on the diamond, yeah. then then really look back and say, man, we were loaded and we just we just ran out of bullets. I mean, we just you know, you know, we were in a battle and ran out of bullets before the you know, before it started. And I, I think that was disappointing. But I do want to say the Eagles deserve a tremendous amount of credit. Their front seven incredible. They dominated in the trenches. I, I say the Niners lost this that game when Brock Purdy got hurt, but the Eagles won that game with the play of their offensive and defensive line. Okay. 
Well, we got through that uh, noted 49ers fan, Andrew Nemec, recovering well from from the loss. Um, all right, let's get to National Signing Day Part 2 coming up. Uh, I was talking about this a little bit earlier in the show. Is how it, it, it's kind of Signing Day Part 1 steals the thunder of Signing Day Part 2. And it used to be like wall-to-wall coverage on ESPN for National Signing Day in February. And now that is kind of gone because uh, they don't need the programming wall-to-wall in December, which is when most kids sign. But that isn't to say that there are big prospects that are still available, including uh, Oregon in the hunt for the top uncommitted prospect in, in high school football still. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because the first year of the early signing period, I think roughly, well, first of all, we didn't know what was going to happen. How was this going to play out? And then the first year, I think 70% of Power 5 conference players signed. This year, all but five of the top 150 players in the countryside, so five players in the top 150 remain unsigned. Everyone else signed. So we're talking under 4%, so 96 point something percent of blue chip prospects signed during the early signing period, there's not a lot left, but just like in the early, you know, just like in that early signing period where Oregon lost Dante Moore and then suddenly, you know, people were thinking, Oh man, it's going to be bad. And they started stacking commitments. Oregon's going into this. There might only be five of them, but Oregon's in it for two of the best four in the country, including Nicholas Harbor, who's six foot five, 225 pounds. He's the nation's number one athlete. He's the number 14 overall prospect in the country. He would become the headliner of this class. And I just, I can't put it really, uh, I have a hard time putting him into words. He is the freakiest athlete I I think I've ever covered. And I think that's fair. And let me tell you why. He's 6'5", 225, as I mentioned. So he's an edge rusher tight end. He also ran the nation's fastest 60-meter dash. So he's Olympic track 100-meter dash fast potential. Like, he has legit Olympic sprinter aspirations, and he's, like, the size roughly of Kayvon Thibodeau. It's, it's, completely, it's completely out of control. If he weren't a football player, and he's raw as a football player, he's got a ways to go as a football player, but if he weren't a football player, he'd be a five-star elite, elite, top five, ten track athlete in the country. That's how good a sprinter he is. So he's incredible. That's going to come down to Oregon and South Carolina. Oregon got the last visit. We will see. South Carolina is rumored to be the leader. But anytime you get the last visit, you got a good shot. And I think Oregon's, Oregon's got a shot there. And I think Oregon fans should be pretty excited about that because they're in the mix. We'll see. It's going to come down to the wire. And then they're in it for Roderick Pleasant. Now, we talk about track speed. Roderick Pleasant is the number eight corner in the country. He's a top 60 prospect nationally. Roderick Pleasant uh, set the state record in the 100-meter dash in California and won the state title in the 200. He also potentially could be an Olympian. Both of those athletes are two of the top sprinters in America, football aside, and they also happen to be two of the top unsigned players in the country. That's going to be Oregon, USC, UCLA's in the mix. He canceled a visit late to Oregon, and I think a lot of people thought, well, there it goes. He's going to USC. Uh, That is not my understanding. I think that was kind of a bonus visit. I don't necessarily think he needed to take that visit to Oregon to go there, and I still think Oregon is in the mix. Do I think they get him? I don't know. I think it's going to come down to the final hours, but Oregon firmly in the mix for him as well. 
Wow. All right. Um, and, and those are those are two guys that all of a sudden, what does that bolster Oregon's recruiting class too? I mean, you say uh, that Harbor would be the headliner of the class. Does that mean Oregon's class then jumps up the recruiting rankings as they finally stand? It's, it's interesting. They're at number 10 right now. If they got both players, they would jump to number five nationally, which would be their highest ranking ever. If they land Pleasant, I think they fall in that seven to eight range. Again, that's going to depend on where other guys sign, right? Because if, if number eight signs a five-star guy, sure. a four-star guy late, they'll move up a little bit. So they'll land in that seven, eight, nine range. If they just get Harbor and not Pleasant, they're right in that six, seven range, which could potentially tie the best class in program history. Either way, if you're Dan Lanning, go back to the day Dante Moore flipped his commitment to UCLA and an Oregon fan and a lot of people were saying, "Uh uh-oh, Oregon's in a little bit of trouble. And now you fast forward to today even, regardless of what happens tomorrow, and Oregon was the big winner on the early signing period, signing multiple blue-chip prospects. And now here they are again during the late signing period, knocking on the door for two absolute freakish athletes. And if you can put that kind of speed on your defense on the football field, they've got a chance to be real playmakers, let alone obviously like the tackling ability, just just the range of a guy like Nicholas Harbour, the, the the ability of a guy like Roderick Pleasant with that kind of speed is incredible. Harbor might again might end up being a tight end though. It's just going to be a matter of figuring out where he's best suited in college. Okay, uh, there's another prospect that uh, is still unsigned, and uh, I, I keep seeing a lot of buzz around Deuce Robinson, uh, the five-star tight end out of the state of Arizona, and where he could land because he's got an interesting background that he needs to be. Uh, kind of going through outside of the game of football. Yeah, I mean, Deuce Robinson, <laughs> he was, I think, supposed to take a late visit to Georgia, according to On3, and ended up canceling that. And part of the reason was he was in the Polynesian Bowl, so he plays in, or maybe it was the Under Armour, he played one of the All-American games, came back and had a workout for the Dodgers because he's one of the top baseball prospects in America. We keep talking about these amazing uh, multi-sport athletes. That seems to be the theme of the late signing period is the guys that are uncommitted um, have multiple factors going in and multiple sports coming in. Deuce Robinson, it's looking like Georgia. I mean, this is probably going to be Georgia. I know USC is hoping. Um, he may not sign, though. And if he delays, you got to watch for baseball. you got to see if potentially someone like an Oregon who's still trying to potentially set up a visit um, obviously not, you know, they would want him to not sign because he can't visit now, but they would, they would be pushing for a visit down the road. Don't sign, wait, come check us out. He may be that guy. You know, we've seen it Terrell Pryor years ago, a couple years ago, it was JT Tuomalau. Last year it was Josh Connerly. These guys that waited until April, May, June to make a decision. Um, yes, it's the late signing period, but it's not the only time you can sign. It just opens up the window. Um, we you know, could very easily see Deuce Robinson being that guy for this class that waits a long time. Number one tight end in the country, a chance to be a first or second round uh, baseball draft pick. We'll just have to see how all that plays out. Again, a lot of factors there, but if it ends tomorrow – it's probably Georgia. Okay, Oregon State, uh, they they made quite the flurry on signing day uh, the first time around. Is there anybody that's going to be added, or are we just looking at guys like Aiden Childs who comes out of these all-star games and is now on the cusp of, of dang near being a five-star quarterback? 
Yeah, it's real quiet for the Beavers, but it's the best kind of real quiet. I, every once in a while I say, you know, typical, this is Jonathan Smith's plan at Oregon State. His guys, and to his credit, his guys are pretty locked in four or five days before the early signing period for the most part. And their class is pretty much done usually four or five days before the early signing period. They're not sweating out a possible slip. And that's a credit to their culture. And then I say, it's a quiet day for Oregon State. and People get mad. Why? That sucks. Now, that's, it's not a criticism. In fact, it's knowing your brand and knowing who you are because year in, year out, whether it's a Damian Martinez or an Aiden Childs, that, you know, programs late are coming after Oregon State's commitments, and they've done a good job. They haven't lost any of these guys late. And you mentioned Aiden Childs, and, and I just loved him when they got him. When they got him, I think he was the number 27 quarterback in the country. And I just you watch his film you talk to people down there and it's like, this kid's way better than that, way better than that. And I said that at the time, he's jumped up in the late, in the last rankings on 24 seven, he jumped up almost a hundred spots, which is not unheard of, but it's among the biggest jumps in the entire country here late. He jumped from a, around 150th to right under a top 50 prospect in the country, the number seven quarterback. And during that All-American Bowl, Oregon fans back and forth was squawking with Oregon State fans saying, you know, Austin Novus had the higher rated prospect. We've got the better quarterback, even though Aiden Childs looks better. Then the final rankings come out, and Aiden Childs leapfrogs Novus had both guys top ten quarterbacks. Both guys have a pretty bright future. But it is funny that Childs jumped up so much that he's now considered one of the best quarterbacks in America in a class that is loaded with quarterbacks. I mean, he's the one guy, he's, he's one tier, one spot behind that big group of Malachi Nelson and Arch Manning and Jackson Arnold, who's going to Oklahoma, who some people have as a top 10 prospect nationally. He's kind of next man up outside of those five-star guys, Dante Moore, um, that we've been talking about this whole time. And, and, and that's a credit to his development. He's going to be a good player for Oregon State. Well, we're talking about the Oregon State Beavers with not just a top 10 quarterback coming in, but a former number one overall quarterback on the roster, too, and DJ Ungalele. I mean, this is inc- it's incredible what uh, what Jonathan Smith is, is continuing to do at Oregon State. Uh, and that's something that Deion Sanders has said he will do at Colorado, is bring in the top-tier t- talent. Uh, will we see the number one corner in the country ink with the, with the buffs tomorrow, and is there anything else up Deion's sleeve? Man, I, I, I would assume so, but, I, you know, with Dion and with Cormani McLean, expect fireworks, I guess is what I would say. Uh, I've talked to a couple of big-time prospects in the class of 2025. Jordan Davison, who's the number one running back in the country, talked to him this week. I also talked to Nasir Wyatt, who's arguably the number one edge rusher in the country in 2025. Both of them said almost the exact same thing. Colorado offered, and I didn't really care, to be honest. That wasn't a thing. And then Dion got there, and Jordan Davison took a visit. This year, Wyatt wants to take a visit. And both of them said, not that Dion, you know, immediately makes Colorado the favorite. I want to be very clear. Neither of them said that. But they both said, Colorado's going to be in the mix for me now. I'm yeah. interested. I like, I, you know, Davison liked his visit. He liked the vibe that Prime had going in, in into Boulder. So immediately since he's been hired, they've elevated their recruiting profile. They have a top five transfer portal class in the country. The recruiting class was 40 in the forties. The day he took over on December 3rd, he cut like 11 or 12 commitments. So they dropped to 70 or 80. They're going to finish with a borderline top 25 recruiting class. And he's already got, I think two five-star commitments 
one in 2024 and one in 2025 already at Colorado. And you look at that Colorado profile and he's just elevated it overnight and they're going to compete for the PAC 12 recruiting crown next year. I don't know if they'll get there. Oregon's doing very, very well. USC, obviously under Lincoln Riley's doing well offensively. They need to do a bit, little bit better defensively. In fact, USC didn't land a single top 80 prospect in the country on defense, which is kind of interesting given how good the rest of the class is. You know, but they relied on, they relied on the portal for that. You know, and, and the other uh, Pac-12 team that I got a uh, note on here is is Washington. Uh, they get Ryan Grubb, their offensive coordinator, says he's going to come back uh, for another year and turns down overtures from Alabama uh, of all schools. Uh, you know, UW, it feels like they've got something very special that is brewing. You got guys that are turning down opportunities to go to the NFL uh, because they, they have said it. it. It feels like something special is brewing here at UW. Is that translating to the recruiting trail as well? Yeah, they did a nice job. Now, this isn't we're not too long away from them having, I think, the last place recruiting class in the Pac-12. It might have been 11th on some sites, but 11th or 12th. This year, it's a top five recruiting class in the Pac-12. It's not quite top 25, but it's top 30, top 35. They landed multiple blue chip prospects. The one area where they really missed, they didn't do a great job with in-state recruiting, which has been a problem for Washington. And, and there's some there's some relationship issues that need mending there that I, I think they're doing. From what I'm hearing from those people up in Seattle, uh, they're doing that. The, the people they need to connect with, the programs they need to connect with, the seven-on-seven coaches they need to connect with, they are connecting with, and that's improving. But this class is missing a headliner. It's a good group. They didn't land a single top 200 prospect in the country. So a whole bunch of like mid-tier four-stars, which is good, but you want to get over the hump, and that is going to start in the class of 2024 tomorrow, I've predicted. Austin Mack is a – he's basically, as of right now, projected about exactly the same as Aiden Childs, number seven quarterback in the nation, number 53 overall in the class of 2024. He is announcing his commitment tomorrow. I've predicted, and I feel very strongly, that he will end up choosing Washington that will give them an immediate early headliner in 2024. Again, one of the top pocket passers. This was a kid who, as a sophomore, to be quite honest, looked extremely raw. I think he had more interceptions than touchdowns. He didn't throw for a ton of yards. It was kind of like, eh, there's a body there. He's 6'6", 210, but what's he going to be? Now he's more 6'6", 225, and he's throwing for 40 touchdowns and five picks as a junior. So he's turned the corner. If he continues to elevate his game like that, he has a chance to develop into a five-star quarterback. That would be a huge get for Washington. And then the last thing on the national note, uh, everybody, did Georgia goes back-to-back. They win national titles. Um, it is very quiet, though, about Alabama in their recruiting class. Uh, can you put into words how impressive it is to have nine five-star recruits in one recruiting cycle? It's doggone good. I don't know. I mean, like, what do you want me to say, man? Put it into words. It's amazing. I mean, nine five stars in one class is it's incredible. You know, I think Alabama didn't necessarily get caught unaware with the NIL. They knew what they were doing. I think they didn't realize, oh, we're just going to pay kids a ton of money up front. You guys don't want them to earn it when they're in campus, which I think wink, wink, nudge, nudge is something Alabama's probably had in place for quite a while. Um and I think, you know, that was that fighting between Saban and, and Jimbo is like, you know, Saban said they bought this offseason openly in a press conference. They bought every player. And Jimbo's like, hey, you want 
you want me to tell everybody where the bodies are buried in Alabama? I was there. I know. And Saban <laughs> shut up because he knew he did know because he was there. And I think what happened is this cycle, Alabama understood the market a little better. Again, in an NFL free agency, when you submit an offer, you have to submit it to the league office. So you're bidding against real offers. You know there are real offers. What's happening right now is guys sometimes are committing to a school, and, and maybe they get in an NIL deal, they get $100,000. And then they'll go take a visit, and they'll come back to the school they're committed to and say, I got offered 350000 If you don't match it, I'm flipping. And they're lying. It's a total bluff. They just want to see if the school will pay them more money. So I think Alabama felt out the process. They knew what they were doing, and they go, okay, we're playing this new era. This is how it works. Okay, we'll play this way. And sure enough, it's one of the best recruiting classes in the history of college football. Wow. Nemec, always appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. National Signing Day tomorrow. I'm sure that uh, this week the recruiting show is going to be locked and loaded. Yep, thank you. All right, there he is, Andrew Nemec, uh, the host of the recruiting show with Andrew Nemec and the national director of recruiting for SB Live. All right, um, got a lot of juice in there. Got ducks, beeves, got some huskies in there. Cougs, I'm sorry we didn't get any cougs in there, but uh, we, we, we still love you. We still love you, cougs. Never met a cougar I don't like. All right, uh, 503-250-1080. That's a fan text line. This is Danny and Dusty on The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Danny and Dusty on the fan. I have karaoke this song before. I'd like to see that. <laughs> it's happened. It was a great time, from what I remember. Uh, nobody ever has a bad time doing karaoke. Oh, I've seen some people. They might not perform well, but nobody really ever has a bad, you know. Everybody usually enjoys themselves. Oh, yeah. Have a great time. Yeah. Plenty have of liquids it. involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um... Let's see here. 503-250-1080. Some, uh, to go back and revisit what 
some of the things we talked about before. Um, the start of the show, if you missed it, go check it out on the Les Schwab Tires podcast at 1080thefan.com. It was an adventure. It was a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> it certainly was. But we went we went a lot of different ways. Yes. Um, but there was one, and I don't know. I've heard of this, and I, when the texture texted it to us, I said, I've heard of this. Uh but I've never I've never seen it or I don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. But the there's a movie called The Day the Clown Cried. Okay. Apparently. And I guess it but from what I know, and I don't know all I know is that Texture said look up the day the clown cried. Uh-huh. I think I remember it being like a a, a, a Jerry Lewis movie. Okay. About uh about being in Auschwitz and because we were talking PG 13 movies and PG movies, that was not a, yeah, it's an unfinished and unreleased 1972 Swedish French drama directed by and starring Jerry Lewis. That sounds like a Mad Lib. Doesn't it though? (laughs) Doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Yeah. A circus clown is imprisoned by the Nazis and goes with Jewish children to their deaths. Yeah. I, because we were talking like uh, movies in the like kids movies, and it was like uh, kids movies back then. But well, back in the day, now this is a little bit different. The yeah. day the clown cried. Way to bring the show down, dude. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking about the way that uh, kids films were like handled back then. Yes, it, they, in that one, I understand why that was unfinished and unreleased. Right. I mean, you're taking off the gloves at that point, being like, "How are we? What are we doing here?" <laughs> what are we do- <laughs> and giving Jerry Lewis the reins. I know. <laughs> Gosh. What was? And, and nobody was like, maybe this one's too much. Yeah. <laughs> nope. 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 That's not it at all. Um, okay. Uh, 503-250-1080. That is a fan text. I'm along with Andrew Nevick, so this is going to be a short one. Uh, I want a lot of... Um, I want a, a lot of text that we got going on here on movies from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got to get to the AFC Championship game, which I will. This is Danny Dusty on the fan. Visiting is pretty. Visiting is good. It seems that all they ever wanted was a brother. This is Danny Dusty on the Odyssey and Portland Sports All right, 503-250-1080, that's a fan text. I was gone yesterday. I got some thoughts on the AFC Championship game uh, where the Chiefs end up coming out with a win, 23-20 over the Cincinnati Bengals. My heart wanted me to pick the Bengals, but my brain just said Chiefs. Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. Uh, It felt like there was a lot, and it's weird to say in the AFC Championship game, but it felt like there was more on the line for the Chiefs. And I hear, yeah, I heard the 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 constant, you know, chatter coming out of Cincinnati, and I was like, boy, there. When one team is is a little bit more quiet, and I know Willie Gay had something to say, mm-hmm. 
you know, I know that guys are just stewing. Have you heard the, and if you want to talk about an inspired performance, have you heard the Chris Jones audio from his pregame? No. It's pretty, the NFL Films just released it, and there's a bunch of music underneath it. I would have had you grab it, but there was a, there was quite a bit of music underneath it, and uh-huh. it kind of made it hard to hear. But, and I don't think it would have played well for radio, but he went on a rant about we've heard all the S all week long. We've heard it all all week long, but you know what? they got to put the ball down now. And if there was one person who played like he took everything that he heard from Burrowhead and Eli Apple and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and anybody else, it was Chris Effin Jones. That was a man possessed on Sunday night. I was... I would I I thought that the Eagles, if they got a matchup with the Chiefs, I would definitely be leaning towards the Eagles. What I saw from Steve Spagnolo, defensive coordinator mm-hmm. in that Chiefs defense, we're gonna have a hell of a Super Bowl. And I, I am pumped for it because what the Chiefs did is exactly what I thought Lou Anarumo and the Bengals were going to do, which is you heat up they if you heat up Mahomes, okay, knock him off his spot and make him uncomfortable, and you can turn your back to him and play man-to-man and turn your back to guys that you can't normally turn your back to and play man-to-man, Burrow or Mahomes. But with Mahomes' ankle, I was like, that's that, that's what I would do if I'm Luana Rumo. It turns out the Chiefs were way more effective at it, and they were great at it. Their ability to create um, matchups – in on the interior, and I mean, I was talking about Frank Clark, the pass rush specialist, and then George Kalafis, the uh, rookie defensive end, and how those guys can pin their ears back and go, and how good Chris Jones is in the middle. Spagnolo, though, going and creating opportunities for those guys to get outside shoulder of a guard in your lined up inside eye of of a, a tackle, and creating and making the center choose a side. For help, it created so much of the ability for so much pressure on the outside. Mm-hmm. And Jones himself, they even moved him outside in the most critical time, which is all right, good luck, backup tackle. And everything that happened in that game at the end of that game, that is a dumb penalty on Osai. That's dumb. Yeah. That's dumb. There were a lot of holds on that play from the Chiefs offense. Mm hmm. Okay, it was not a great officiated game. Let's not forget the missed block in the back on the punt return too. We've got a, a few really bad calls, but what made that game tilt in favor of the Chiefs was their defense playing like they were the Eagles' defense. Four guys getting um, uh, Joe Burrow uncomfortable. The fact that you had a tackle on the outside. Uh, the the backup tackle was at a, a, a DG mm-hmm. allowed nine pressures. You had an offensive line that allowed twenty nine pressures in five sacks against the Chiefs. Twenty one pressures, five sacks. Yikes! One of the tackles alone, the back, the the, the third the third string tackle, Adinji at at uh, he gives up nine pressures alone in three of those five sacks. That was that was the game right there. That was it because 
Burrow was hurried all game long. And if he just had a fraction of a second longer, I do think that, that is, that's the difference. But that is Chris Jones playing like a man possessed. It is pass rush specialist Frank Clark. It is Carl Loftus, uh, the rookie, making life a living hell for Joe Burrow in that game. But when he did have time, they were picking on uh, the, the Husky, Trent McDuffie. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the other guy's name? It's like Winston or Watson. They they had their moments where they they were like those that's my huckleberry right there. Yeah. I'm going to go after him, but they had no time to do it. It was few and far between those opportunities, and I I was blown away. I was blown away by the front seven of the Chiefs. Um, I thought that those guys deserve a ton of 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 credit and respect, and I say this as kind of leading off talking about the AFC Championship game because I know Patrick Mah- what Patrick Mahomes is doing right now is incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. What he is doing on a football field, he is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. He is on a, a track to have a, I mean, he's already going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer shoe-in, right? But he will be in that conversation when we talk about the best quarterbacks of all time. He is he is that guy right now. Um, and Mahomes deserves the flowers. Um, playing on a high ankle sprain the way he does in his ability to bounce back from injuries, whether it's a dislocated kneecap yeah. or high, two different high ankle sprains that he's had. He's just made differently than the rest of us. He's incredible. He's incredible. And now doing it in a different way with different weapons and going to the Super Bowl um, without Tyree Kill, who's supposed to be the cheat code, and he is a cheat code. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think, deserves a ton of credit uh, because – he was winning one-on-one battles all day long. They hit him on three deep shots, and that is that was that flipped that game. That flipped the game. Ha- having his ability on three different occasions to hit that deep ball because Travis Kelsey was playing with back spasms, which as a tight end, that's incredible yeah. that he's able to be out there and to be as effective as he was. I mean, it was uh, it was an all-around team effort of two teams that were banged up heading into this. The Chiefs won the war of attrition. That was a fun football game. I loved watching that football game. I'm very upset that officiating is a conversation coming out of NFC NFC and AFC championship games. Yeah. Both of them had their had their flaws because if you stand alone in in aside don't I, I don't that was a dumb penalty. You're going to call that every single time. Yeah. And I know understand that there was a Burrow one where uh or no, it wasn't Joe Burrow, but there was a uh Bengals player who was going out of side out of out of bounds near the goal line and he got hit like two steps out of bounds too. Uh-huh. Very similar. No flag on that one. They missed that one. You right. call the Mahomes one every time. Yeah. You call but you also missed black blocks in the back. You missed um the holding calls all game long. It just sucks that that's the one that's called when there's three other penalties on the same play. I would have loved I would have loved and this is what I wanted. I tweeted out about it. Uh, how, was, how do you miss the blatant holds? Yeah. Okay. Offset those penalties. Play it down again. Yeah. Give us to overtime. Oh, you mean another do-over? I want it. <laughs> I want it all. That, that game already had one do-over. <laughs> that is true. Which was, you know, another example of atrocious officiating. Well... Look, if you're that one official, yeah. they had to go to the Zapruder film to find a guy who kind of half-assed ran his way up there and then gave up when he saw the play was going. That's you. You got to start waving your arms, and you know it, it's it's. There's no reason for that to have gone on the way it did. Oh man. Um. All right. Here we go now. Let's get this. Um, Bengals were they're ready to stop the run. 
they did a good job of that. I mean, Kansas City didn't need to, but they right. they were ready for stopping the run. Yeah, you got that. Um, I can't wait though. More of Burrow, more of Mahomes. Let's go, let's go. Get no, absolutely. Yeah, set that, that set that up for another decade. Yeah, yeah. All right, five zero three two five zero ten eighty. Danny Dusty on the fan. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Danny and Dusty on the fan. Me ears and I'll sing you a song. I will oh. try not to sing what out is the uh, what is the oh, rare occasion that we get this? Is our bond? Uh The Wonder Years premiered on this date in 1988. 1988. 1988. Young Fred Savage. Yes, Danica uh, McKellar. Oh, dude, uh, I was a Winnie Cooper fan. I believe Josh Saviano was Paul Pfeiffer. Uh, Marilyn Manson. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that who they said Marilyn Manson was? That may be one of the best urban legends that that we've had. Is uh, you remember you 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 remember Paul from Wonder Years? Yeah. Paul from Wonder Years and Marilyn Manson. Uh, apparently, that's not true. Yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, as much as I'd want it to be true, I don't think that one needed a whole ton of effort to debunk. Well, I don't know. It that was, uh, buddy. That was that that started in like when I was in middle school. I mean, we're talking that was pre. You couldn't just Google it, so oh, it yeah. spread. It got to the point where it spread too far before people could tamp it down. That it just stayed real. <laughs> There's nothing you can do at that point. He's what still he's still he's still doing some acting though. And does he? What does he yeah, do? I've seen him. Well, I mean, I, like I, music videos, not all over the place for his band, <laughs> yes, Marilyn Manson, exactly. Uh, I've seen him like as a, de- a defense attorney on SVU and like the Law and Order franchise. Oh, uh, that's the one thing that sticks out in my head. I I'm could drawing, see, drawing I could a blank s- elsewhere. I could see him as playing a lawyer, yeah. all grown up lawyer, right? Did we did we cancel Marilyn Manson? Did, do I remember seeing a bad Marilyn Manson story? Apparently, he was pretty horrific to Rose McGowan while they were together. Like, yeah, bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I do not. I do not condone. Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Based, yeah. Uh, yeah. But also, like... I always thought it was kind of weird anyway. I mean... Marilyn Manson is... I mean, you're like, yeah, this is going to be a normal relationship. <laughs> right? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't justify anything he does, but you, you're you just like, yeah, this is going to be your uh, normal run-of-the-mill, uh, the, just like uh, Steve from accounting that I just got done dating. No. Wrong. He's Marilyn Manson. <laughs> There's going to be nothing normal about that relationship. Nope. Nope. Not at all. I mean, unless <laughs> Marilyn Manson is truly like he just is, uh, he, he goes home, he wears like a pajamas and a bathrobe and watches like Real Housewives and The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> goes and runs a nice, nice warm bubble bath. Yeah. He's, he joins the country club. Like he's out golfing every day and you're like, all right, yeah. look at And then. Comes he gets home on and stage pours himself and, a nice glass yeah. of Sauvignon Blanc. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, that now that would be the upset right there. <laughs> it certainly would. Jeez. Yeah, he's got kind of more of a red wine vibe. Yeah. <laughs> like blood. Like blood. Yeah. 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 All right. Oh man. Okay. Well, apparently, he was also terrible to Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood. I don't know who these people are. She's an actress. Rose McGowan was in Scream. I do know Rose McGowan, yeah. but I can't really put uh, my... Evan Rachel Wood also in... Uh, did you ever catch Westworld? 
Uh, I watched a couple of episodes. Oh, yeah, Rose McGowan. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, she was in True Blood. Okay. Well, I mean, all right. <laughs> like, did, did did Marilyn Manson think, like, she was, like, not acting? Like, saw you in True Blood. Yeah. She was one of the super powerful vampires, too. Well, maybe that's what he thought. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, not a good guy. Marilyn Manson, not a good guy. Not a good guy. Wow. I had no idea. Who'd have thunk it? Yep. Um. Anyways, oh, he, he apparently, was. Apparently super Nazi, bro. So that's sweet. Oh, really? Yeesh. Jeez. Gosh. Yeah, no. Right. Marilyn Manson, bad. Yeah, let's cancel Marilyn Manson if it hasn't happened already. Uh, stamp of <laughs> approval. <laughs> Canceled. Canceled. Who knew? All right. Uh, so, Wonder tur- Years, it, huh? It turns out me not keeping tabs on Marilyn Manson <laughs> was a good idea. Yeah, right? He kind of missed some things. Yikes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I did just describe Al- Al- Alice Cooper. This texture's like, you just described Alice Cooper, who plays golf every day. and his, But he softened that blow with um, Wayne's World, right? Yes, Miliwake. Miliwake Ilgonquin for the good land. That's right. Alice Cooper is is that dude. Alice Cooper, to, to go against the grain of the, uh, I guess, makeup-wearing rockers that seem like Dark Souls, mm-hmm. a very kind man. He got some good ballads, too. Mm-hmm. Alice Cooper did. Yeah. All right. There we go. Uh, Wonder Years. Wonder Years. Yeah. Dan Loria as the father. I yeah, forget the mom's he, name. He always creeped me out, and I always felt bad for the mom. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Well, he was typical, you know, yeah, 60s era yeah. dad. That's right. Going to work, bringing home the bacon. Literally. You know? Bringing that bacon back. All right. Um, didn't know we had an, that many Alice Cooper P1s, but we do. Yeah. All right. And, and this one is correct. He is an American treasure. Uh, yeah, sure is. Yeah. Sure is. All right. Uh, Wonder Years. Wonder Years. I don't know how Winnie many. Cooper. Th- 35? 35 years? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 35 years. Yeah. You know, she's apparently, she's like super smart too, yeah, I know Winnie Cooper. Is. I know. She, Danica she's McKellar. total package, that Dana McK- Danica McKellar. I think she's like a mathematician, I want to say. Wow. Like PhD level. Yeah. Well. Super smart. Thought that on the show too. Yep. Yeah. She was one of the top crushes of my childhood. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yep. And Fred Savage had her all to himself. <laughs> Fred Savage. Um. He's a guy that seems more normal than he should be for being like a childhood actor yeah. and, you know. Yeah, he's just he's just a dude. It sure is. Yeah, still just seems like, you know, average guy in his, down his, the block. His brother Ben Savage. Yeah. From Boy, Meets, Boy World. Meets World, the little brother from yeah. Boy Meets World. Yeah, pining for Topanga. Well, again, the Savage Brothers. Yeah. They did Both all right. Both of them. Yeah. Topanga and Winnie Cooper. Yeah. They had the they had my two childhood loves. Man. And I didn't even know I didn't even know they were brothers till way after the fact, like far longer than I probably should have. When yeah. somebody's like, you know, that's Fred Savage's brother. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> get out of town. <laughs> yeah. Get right out of here. Like my first big, uh, you know, youth crush had to be uh, it was Alyssa Milano on Who's the Boss. Yeah, Alyssa Milano. Samantha Maselli. Samantha. 
um, Tiffany Ann Bertheson from your shirt that you're wearing today, yep. which is a Bayside Tigers shirt that I've seen AC Slater wear several times. Yep. Uh, yeah, Tiffany Ann Bertheson, uh, Danica McKellar. Don't know Topanga's real name. Uh, Danielle Fischel, I believe. That's right. She married like some entrepreneur guy. Of course, right? like it, like he's like a is super super rich, super cool guy. Uh huh. Like cooler than all of us. Oh, apparently Fred Savage possibly canceled as well. Looks like he's in trouble for some things. Oh my gosh! Ben, what is happening? Ben Savage running for California Senate. And is then, he? And the same text says Fred is an a hole. Fred is an a hole. All right. So maybe I was wrong about that. <laughs> when did Fred Savage? When that's happened to Fred know. Savage? Maybe it was after his turn as a as a rapist in SVU. Yeah. Oh wow! Whoa. Uh, huh. All right. Yeah, it's never good when the headline that I'm reading here is a closer look at Fred Savage. Oof. New firing details emerge. Oof. Oh, great. Yikes. All right. I'm going to oh, disavow yeah. that one, too. Well, Marilyn think, Manson and Fred Savage. One segment. Because he was brought on for some of the new Wonder Years stuff, like as an advisor or something, right? Or an executive producer role. I, I have no idea. starting to ring a bell, perhaps. No idea. But you know who I love from the new Wonder Years? Who that? Uh, Dulé Hill. From mm-hmm. uh, Psych. Yep. He's awesome. Yep. He is great. He was in uh, West Wing, too. Really good. Nice. All right. That's a Tuesday show. Boy, it was something. Uh, we had Andrew Nemec on. We talked uh, Jerry Lewis, never released films. <laughs> He's a, a Nazi clown. <laughs> took a dark turn there My for a bit. gosh. But it was really happy at the beginning when we were talking about uh, uh, bringing extinct animals back from the dead. Yeah, because all that's a good idea, too. It's a bad idea. Bad idea. Tomorrow, Danny's back. Have a great Tuesday. See you Wednesday right here on The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.